Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In Psalm 76.10, Psalm 76.10, which says, Surely the wrath of man, really we should say the wrath of woman, but anyway, shall praise thee, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. So here's Leah, here's Rachel, they've got wrath toward each other. And they're using the names to, to really stick it to their opponent. I mean, Leah, you know, with the naming of her son Reuben, which, you know, means behold a son. And so she could use that name to Rachel and she could, she could say, see, see Rachel. Now, what do you think of that? Behold the son. I have a son, Reuben. Behold the son. You don't have any children. So she gives the name Reuben to express her hatred to Rachel. And then when, when Leah had Simeon, which means hearing, it, it was so that she could jab at Rachel and say, look at that. Looks like God heard my prayer for children. I got a son. So I named him Simeon just to jab at Rachel by saying, what's the matter, Rachel? Is God not hearing your prayers? And then, and then when, when, when Leah had Levi, which means joined. It was Leah saying to Rachel, well, now, Rachel, my husband will be joined and attached to me and detached from you, so you better pack your bags. See? So, so, and then when, Jay, when Rachel's handmaid, Rachel's handmaid, you know, Bilhah, had Dan, which means judge, that was Rachel's turn to, to say to Leah, well, now at last, God's gonna judge you, Leah, and judge me with children, see? And then when Leah's handmaid, you know, Zilpah had Gad, which means troop, that was again Leah's jab at Rachel and said, well, watch out, Rachel, a troop's coming, a troop of sons going to come. Get out of the way or they'll bury you. And when Rachel then had Joseph, which means he shall add, that was Rachel saying to Leah, well, now you move over, Leah, because Joseph is just the start of the children that I'm going to have because God's going to add a lot more that will make your children just insignificant. Pretty happy home, huh? <laughs> and on and on and on, the naming of the sons were. The ladies used the names of those sons to fight against them. They were, that's why I say they were, the names came from hissing cats in a cat fight. Now, those names were the wrath of, 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 of man, the wrath of women, that just as it says in Psalm 76.10, and God used the wrath of those two women to praise him when the, and then when there was too much wrath, when, then God restrained, restrained the remainder of the wrath that wouldn't praise him, as we saw in the case of Benjamin in Genesis 35.10. Genesis 35.10, where it says, it came to pass as her soul, Rachel's soul, was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, which means son of my sorrows, son of my sorrows, but he, but his father called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So, okay. Now, that was too much wrath. 
you know, the son of my sorrow, so, so God restrained it. So on the surface, it seemed as though these names of these sons were just nonsensical. And, and, it, and if each son was asked, hey, how did you get your name? You know, that's an interesting name. How did you get your name? You know what the son would say? Uh, please don't ask. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's just too painful for me to remember. It, 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 look, it's just my name. I'd rather not tell you how I got my name. And if each, each son had his name about the reason of how they got their name, they would want the reason to be buried and forgotten. It's a terrible remembrance for them. It would have been, it, it, and it would have been buried and forgotten, except that God decided to put it in his eternal word of God. Oy vey. What a place to have a shameful record recorded. But that's just the reason why it is recorded in the eternal word of God, to encourage us, to encourage us when it seems like life doesn't make any sense to us, to encourage us when it seems like life is just like a ping pong game and we're the ping pong ball that's just being banged back and forth for no reason. That's the time to remember how each of these sons got their names and how God made those names to have such a profound and eternal significance. That's what Jacob is pointing out here in this chapter. Now, how those sons got their names, how God used their names, shows that, that it shows us that God does have a plan. God does have a purpose for each one of our lives, and it shows how the experiences that we face in life are important. And, and it shows that God is going to use those, these nonsensical experiences to mold us, to change us, and make us effective instruments in his hands. Okay, now, we saw that all this naming of the sons and having to remember that of the first first seven sons here really took its toll on, on Jacob as he just felt that he was going to die in verse 18. He, th- he thought this is it. You know, it, it, when he came there he, it, to verse 18, it was like, uh, okay, lights out. You know, it was like Jacob gave his Luke twenty three forty six. Uh, sigh, you know, where the Lord Jesus said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he, this is really what verse 18 is. This is Jacob saying, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. It really, but, but, it, but the verse we saw really reveals the heart and soul and hope of Jacob because when you consider that the Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua, which when anglicized is Jesus, so literally, Jacob was saying in verse 18, I have waited for thy Jesus, O Lord. Now, when Jacob said that in verse 18, I have waited for thy salvation, or he was expecting, as I said, to die at that point, and we can imagine that he was surprised to find out, hey, I'm still alive. You know, I mean, he expected to die just then, and he was still alive because he, he, he why he was still alive, he had more work to do. He had, he had five more sons to bless, so, so he carried on. You know, I expected that I was going to die with that when I reached the end of this book of Genesis. That's why I've been going real slow. And, that, and that's why when I was asked last week, well, what, what book are you going to teach after Genesis? I said, I don't know, because I hadn't planned on teaching anymore, you know. But, but now I don't feel like I'm going to die, so i got to start giving some thought to it. <laughs> it reminds me of Dr. Morris, Dr. Henry Morris. You know, he was the father of the modern-day creation movement and the founder of the Institute in Creation Research, ICR, and Dr. Morris used to love baseball. And actually, people don't know this, but he really did most of his writings while he was watching baseball games on TV. That's what really got him going. Anyway, so he had a stroke over at, he was over at Grossmont Hospital. And when he came to, after a stroke, he was surprised that he was still alive. And he said, where am I? 
<laughs> and they told him, well, you had a stroke, and he was disappointed to not be in heaven. And then, and then Dr. Morris had a second stroke, and when he came to again, he thought he'd be in heaven, and he said, where am I? And they told him, well, you had a second stroke, and he looked disappointed like that, and he said, oh, well, three strokes and you're out. <laughs> and then the third stroke came, and he was out. He was out of this wor- world and into heaven. Well, here's Jacob in, in verse 18, and he's saying, I've waited for thy deliverance. It's your deliverance that I've waited for your deliverance. And then he had his third, okay, and he, and he was just disappointed. Jacob was disappointed just that, that he didn't die. But, you know, for him, it was, oh, well, three strokes are out. So Jacob pressed on with the blessing of his remaining five sons. Now, Jay, and, and, and now he comes to Gad. Now he's going to bless now Gad, which means troop. And here again, we see him doing a play on words where he said Gad, which means troop. He said, Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. So the tribe of Gad was located on the outskirts of the tribes of Israel. As a matter of fact, they were located on the other side of the River Jordan, which meant that they were, they were neighbors to the Moabites and the Ammonites, and they were constantly, the Moabites and Ammonites, were constantly harassing Gad. And so, you know, he says, um, he says uh, a troop shall overcome him. So, that, so the, the, the Ammonites and the Moabites were always harassing them, but Gad finally did overcome them, uh, the Moabites and the Ammonites, in the days of Saul and, and David's time. So Gad always had battles, it was all, and that's why Gad is described in First Chronicles twelve eight. First Chronicles twelve eight, the Gadites were men of war, fit for the battle. Okay, now Jacob comes to Asher. Asher means happy. That was Leah's son through her handmaid Zilpah, and and this and again this is Leah with the jab to Rachel says I name him Asher, which means happy because everyone's going to see how happy I am compared to you, Rachel. I'm happy. Well, you should be sad. But overlooking all that, all those circumstances of how Asher got his name, Jacob says to Asher in verse 20, out of Asher, his bread shall be fat and he shall yield royal dainties. So here Jacob, in order to describe what was going to happen to Asher and how he's going to be happy in the future, Jacob now paints a picture of feasting and fatness. And, and this was fulfilled as Asher, Asher got the bless, the best plains uh, of the of the fertile uh, Jezreel Valley, which is known as Armageddon, very rich land all the way up to Mount Carmel, and that made Asher to have an abundance of food. Now, next, Jacob comes to Naphtali. Now, Naphtali means struggle. It means struggle, and the and again, the background of his name, of not, how he got his name, seems so nonsensical. Is that N- N- Naphtali was born, born to Bilhah, which was Rachel's handmaid, and so she named him. Struggle, because she said to her sister Leah, "All my life I've been struggling with you, and now I'm struggling with you again to have more children. So I'll name this child Struggle." But anyway, Jacob forgets about all that circumstances for how Naphtali got his name, and Jacob says about Naphtali in verse twenty-one. Very interesting verse, verse twenty-one. Naphtali is a hind, a deer, a hind let loose. He giveth goodly words. Now here for Naphtali, Jacob paints the picture of a deer. And it's of a deer that, the, it, 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 he paints the picture of a deer. Now deer 
are not meant to be domesticated animals. They don't domesticate well. The deer is not meant to be held in captivity. But Jacob paints this picture of Natali as a deer that's not meant to be in captivity, but he is in captivity, and it's of this deer that's longing to be let loose and to run free. So in her state, the deer state, in her state of captivity, the deer is struggling until she's finally let loose. And that's how Jacob predicts that Naphtali, which means struggle, will fulfill the, me- the f- fulfill the meaning of his name by this picture of this deer held in captivity that's struggling to be let free. Now, the picture that, that Jacob is painting here of Naphtali, of this struggling deer in captivity, is that, is that Naphtali is not like a raging deer, you know, not like a raging buck that wants to get free, but he's painting the picture of Naphtali as a gentle, loving doe. When, when, when Jacob says in verse 21 that Naphtali will give goodly words, what he is describing here, what Jacob is describing here with Naphtali is the deer in the captivity that's struggling to be free, but after it's free, Naphtali, he does leap for joy and run away, but then Naphtali doesn't stay away, but returns with goodly words, with goodly words. You know, it reminds me, it reminds me of, of uh, something that sometimes I try to forget is when we lived out in Lakeside with 300 goats, and, and our 300 goats were around our house, very close to our house back on Lakeside, on Willow Road, which is the base of Mount El Capitan. And if you've ever driven out there, you'll look up there on that and you'll say, oy vey, who would ever put goats on a mountain like this? But, you know, what can you say? So our goats were on the side of this very steep mountain and, and with boulders in the pen all over, boulders everywhere. And the goats loved it because they loved the big rocks and the boulders and the pens. But it was the complete opposite of an ideal land that you'd buy for goats. I mean, the goats loved it, and I'm sure the goats wondered, how could he be so dumb as to buy property like this for taking care of us? But okay. Now, what would happen, we had this fence going up the side of the hill there for the pens, what would happen is that sometimes goats would either jump the fence, they'd get on a big boulder and jump the fence, or they'd get through the fence, you know, because they had horns and they'd rip up the fence, and they'd get to the other side where they would be free, and they would jump for joy with this newfound freedom, and then we'd just see them jumping and skipping to all these rock to rocks and up over the top of El Capitan Mountain, and we'd never see them again. The goats were gone. But it's interesting, because sometimes, maybe a week later, maybe a couple weeks later, we would see one of the goats come back. It was such a surprise. And the goat, and, and she would stand outside the fence and cry. She wanted to go back in. <laughs> she wanted to go back in the pen again. And so we'd have to go up there and open up the fence and let her back in. And, and, and that goat never, never jumped out again. And we would know what happened. You know, when that goat was in our pen, what did she have? She had all the water she wanted to, in, 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 during those hot summer days in Lakeside. She had the most beautiful El Centro first cuttings alfalfa hay that you could grab with your hand and squeeze and that gets stuck with the with hard branches and smell a great alfalfa hay, you know, just a wonderful amount of protein. She had shelter from the rain and occasionally we would feed the, the grain with the sweet molasses, you know, and, and so when she was in the captivity at first, she was like Naphtali. 
She struggled, and she being in captivity, and she'd look at the, the, the freedom on the outside of the mountain, just in, 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 you know, over, over the fence. And when the Naphtali struggle got to be too much for her, then she made her great escape. You know, and, and she was so happy to be free, and she would go wherever she wanted to go and do what she wanted to do. And then after a week or two more, more came about, she began to feel like the prodigal son, you know, and, and who came to himself. And she remembered all the water that she had on the hot days and the rich alfalfa that she, you know, was thinking about that we, that, that, that the boys would pull up into the hail off twice a day and the wonderful grain that she had and, and all of her goat friends that she had in the pen. And she missed them and she missed the care that she got. And so she came to herself and then she came back. She came back and she came back in the pen again. Now, w- when she stood outside the fence, and cried to be let back in. It was like Naphtali in verse verse 21. She came with goodly words, you know, please let me come back in. I miss being in the pen again, you know. I, I won't beat down the fence anymore. And those were goodly words, goodly words. If you knew goat language, then you could understand. Well, some people are like Naphtali. Some people are like Naphtali, especially when they've been raised in a Christian home where they've all, well, all they've ever known is, is Christian home and church and they feel like the struggling Naphtali, the, the deer that wants to be let loose. And they feel like that, verse 21, the Naphtali hind that wants to be let loose. And so then they do go loose. They leave home like the prodigal son. They leave church. And at first they feel so liberated, so free. They're able to do what they want. They're able to go where they want. And, and life is just wonderful. But then comes the road of hard knocks. And, and where they realize that, the world outside, it's not turned out to be what they hoped it would be, and it's, it's cruel out there. There's no real love. There's no one really cares about them. There's no such thing as unconditional love out there. It's only, the only what they care about is what they can, what you can do for them. And they remember the love and the care that they received in their homes. Now, you know, most of the goats leave and they don't come back again, but there's a few that do. There's Naphtali. And, and so like the prodigal son, you know, and those goats, they come back with the verse 21 goodly words. And the goodly words, they come back with, I'm sorry for leaving. I was wrong to have left. Please forgive me. I'll never leave again. And when they do, they're just like those goats that come back. And, they, and then they never try to jump the fence again. Now, sometimes you and I, as hard as it is, we need to let them go. We need to let them take the jump. Because, you know, they think that they're going to have a happy life freedom. It's just like the father of the prodigal son. He didn't say to the prodigal son, well, I'm going to lock you in your room and put a guard out there. You're not leaving. No, he let them go, and then he prayed for them. And that's what we need to do, that they'll be like the Naphtali goats that return to the side of the pen with the goodly words who wanted to come back again. We need to pray that they'll be the Naphtali goats to return with good words. Now, the land of Galilee... The land of Galilee, or I should say the region of Galilee, that was the portion that Naphtali had. And so most of the apostles came from this region of Galilee or Naphtali. And the apostles, you know, they led a pretty rough lives. I mean, those fishermen were, were, were not exactly nice, you know, before they came to follow the Lord Jesus. So, so the apostles were all like the, the Naphtali deer struggling to be free, and they jumped the fences, and they, they lived their wild lives. And, and when the Lord came, then those Naphtali goats came back to the fence of the pens, 
And when they came in, just like the Naphtali, verse 21, those apostles came with goodly words. Well, those goodly words, as a matter of fact, are the ones we read. They're in the New Testament for us to read today. Those apostles were the Naphtali people with the goodly words. Now, most of us fall into the category of Naphtali, where we struggled to get let loose, we went free, we lived wild, we sowed our wild oats. But just like Naphtali, we realize that life away, life away from God is not, is not good. And, and, and life that's free of God is not good. And life that's away from God is actually rotten. And we came to the Lord with the goodly words of Naphtali, verse 21. We came with the words of, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. I'm so sorry for my sins. And if you'll have me, then I'd like to receive the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior and God. Please come into my heart. Those are goodly words. Those are goodly words in the ears of the God, and God is faithful to respond to those goodly words, and that person is saved when they come to God the Naphtali way and, and with goodly words of repentance. Now, so far as now we've been covering all these different sons, and when we take a step back and look at these sons, we say, man, what a diversity. What a vast diversity in the dispositions and the, and the characters and the personalities of all these sons and, and you sure they're really one family? And, but, but they were. I mean, Judah's like a lion, and Issachar's like a donkey, and Dan's like a snake, and Naphtali's like a deer. I mean, when you look at that, that is a picture of the church. Welcome to the church, where there's such a diversity of temperaments and gifts and, and, and well, you can call it a gift, but anyways, ways. And, that can, and, and, people can, and it can be so contrary to each other. Yeah, just as in Jacob's family, there was these 12 sons, which all became a large family and then became 12 tribes. They contributed to each other to the strength and the function of the church of Jacob as a whole. So instead of us grading on each other for being so different in the church, we got to see how God uses this diversity to make the church stronger and more effective. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. 
early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 